you. I want to know you more. And I, and I know that every time that we talk about you, that we just get one step closer to, to you. And so, Lord, we, would you help us right now? We're not strong enough. We're not capable of hearing you unless you help us. And so we're asking for your help. Would you speak to us tonight and change our lives? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you guys can sit down. Matt's got Bibles right here. If you don't have a Bible, you need one. It's going to be hard for you to understand what we're talking about if you don't have a Bible. So um, Matt's got Bibles. Just raise your hand. He'll throw one to you. And where we are in the Bible is in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the account written by Dr. Luke of what the Holy Spirit of God did through his apostles after Jesus stepped off this planet. Okay? And I want us to start by looking at Acts. We're going we're to flip back here to Acts 1 and just see what Jesus told his disciples the last day before he stepped off this planet. One of the verses that I want you guys to see is in Acts 1.8, which is kind of uh, a prologue to the book of Acts. Okay, so in chapter 1, verse 8, we're actually, we're actually in chapter 8, but in Acts 1.8, we, we read what Jesus said to his disciples before he left. And this is what he said. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So that's kind of an outline for the book of Acts. That Jesus says, I'm leaving. You guys are going to wait in, in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there's going to be amazing things that happen. And you guys are going are to testify about what you've experienced with me, first of all, in the city of Jerusalem, and then in Judea and Samaria. That's like Dallas and Fort Worth for us. And then to the uttermost parts of the earth, to the whole world. Jesus' plan, you guys understand what's going on here, is that God, the creator of this universe, can do anything he wants to do. Anything. Can he become human? Absolutely. Has he ever become human? Yes, he did. The creator of the universe became a human, and that human's name was Jesus. Jesus, his identity was the creator himself, God himself. And he became a human for the purpose of dying for the sins of all people. He paid the price for all the sins of all people who have ever lived, including the people who are in this room. Jesus died for you because he loves you. And yet, he never forces that on anybody. He never forces himself on anybody. His plan in paying for the sins of all people was that this world would be restored to what he originally intended. That this planet would be restored to him. That his kingdom would be established. A kingdom is a place where a king reigns. And in every other kingdom that has taken over other kingdoms, they force themselves on those kings. But Jesus' method is not like that. Jesus' method is by invitation. And he invites all people to join his kingdom, his family, a relationship with him. And this is good news. Good news that Jesus paid for us and invites us into a relationship with him. And so Jesus tells his group of followers, you guys are going to proclaim this message of the kingdom to the whole world. And so that's what's been happening. We started in Jerusalem. We've been studying from, from chapter 1 to chapter 7 of Acts. We've talked about what's happened in Jerusalem. But then in chapter 8, we kind of turned a corner. And in chapter 8, what we talked about last week is that because of the persecution that had happened against the Christians, the Christians are kind of rocking the boat in Jerusalem, and the Jews are getting mad at them. 
And so Saul is a part of this team of people that put a guy named Stephen to death. Stephen is one of the leaders in the church in Jerusalem. And so because of that, this persecution breaks out. And the Christians, there's about 5,000 of them by this time. Within a few years after Jesus left, there's about 5,000 Christians. And they're scattered all over the place. And so what we're reading about for the, really the rest of the book, from chapter 8 until the end of the book, is about what happens as Jesus' proclamation, the proclamation of Jesus' kingdom is spread all over the world. So what we read about last week was Samaria, that there's this awakening that happens among the people in Samaria, the part, the part of, of Israel that is just north, up of, north of Jerusalem. And the people of Samaria turn to Jesus. So this is where we are. In, we're starting tonight in verse 26. And I hope you guys are excited by this because this is part of your story. You're in this room because of the things that happened in this story, okay? So verse 26 of chapter 8. So in the middle of this awakening, this, this social turning to Jesus, the people, the people in Samaria turning to Jesus, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Philip's the guy who started this awakening, this revival in Samaria. He, the angel of the Lord says to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, or maybe the more accurate way to say that is, is a deserted road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. You guys know where Gaza is. You guys have heard about the Gaza Strip in Israel. So between Jerusalem and Gaza, it's all downhill, all the way. And the, and the Lord gives a message to Philip to go down to that road. So he started out. Now I want you guys to remember again who Philip is. Philip is one of these seven guys who are, there's 12 apostles, but there's also these other seven leaders in the church in Jerusalem, and they were scattered because of the persecution. And we don't know a whole lot about Philip, except that every time that Philip's name is mentioned in the book of Acts, it's always, it always has to do with telling people about Jesus. You guys know people like that? It's like, they're like Philip, right? I and mean, just like every time their name is mentioned, Jesus is there is is along with them. That's the kind of guy that Philip is. And so he's in the middle of this revival, this awakening in Samaria. And in the middle of that, the word of the Lord comes to him and says, It's time to go. Time to go somewhere else. And I want you guys to think about what that's like for him. I mean, does that make sense? All these people coming to Christ. There is the dream of Jesus is happening, and the guy who's leading it, the Lord says to him, time's up, time to go somewhere else. And it's like, does that make sense? Well, it makes sense from God's perspective, but I think from Philip's perspective, he's probably thinking, what? Go to the de a desert road? And the reason that God's sending him to a, des a desert road, a deserted road, is because God has a plan for him to have a conversation with one man. I just want you to think about the way that God does things. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes God calls us to do things that don't make sense. But here's what I want you guys to do. If you guys are taking notes, and I hope you're taking notes, you guys write this down. I want you, I'm going to ask you to write down a few things. And I'm going to ask you to say a few things tonight. So the first thing that I want you guys to write down is this. God has a divine appointment for me. Two, the reason that God has sent Philip down from Samaria down to this desert road is because God has a divine appointment for him to meet one guy. 
Okay, you guys with me there? Okay. So there's something else that I want you guys to see. Verse 27. So Philip started out. Okay, as much as it might not have made sense for Philip to take off from the revival, from this great ministry experience that's happened in Samaria, he obeys the Lord. It doesn't make sense to him. He doesn't know what the next step is. He doesn't know why he's going there, but he obeys God. And here's what I want you get, what I want us to get from this. There are times that God is speaking to you to do something that doesn't necessarily make sense to you. Maybe you just got the job. You've been working on getting the job. Maybe you just got engaged. Maybe you just got in school. Maybe you just got your new car. And for some of you, God is saying, okay, we're not going where you thought we were going. We're taking a left turn here. Or maybe we're taking a U-turn here. We're going back the way that you just came from because I've got something that I want to do. Sometimes God is going to change our plans. There are people in this room tonight that God is calling you to change your plans. Now, the question that I want to ask you guys is when God's voice comes to you in the middle of what seems to be working, like what was happening with Philip in Samaria, and God says, you know what, time to go. My question for you guys is, are you willing to obey God's voice and his direction in your life even when it doesn't make sense? And some people are going to criticize you if you follow his voice, if you do what he says. Some people are going to mock you. Some people are going to be disappointed in you. And if you're trying to please all those people who think they know what you are supposed to do, you're not going to be able to follow the voice of the Lord. Do you guys hear me? Because everybody's going to tell you about what's good for your life, but I want to invite you guys that you follow the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you guys, well, I, I want to, but I don't know what that is. But what, when you know for sure that the Holy Spirit is directing you to something, I want to ask you, are you willing to follow him? I want you to answer that. Okay. Okay. So, I want you guys to say that. I will obey the voice of the Lord. Okay. I want, you, want us to back up one step and say this. God has a divine appointment for me. God has a divine appointment for me, and I will obey the voice of the Lord. Okay, so write that second thing to write down is I will obey the voice of the Lord even when it does not make sense. Okay, so verse 27. So Philip starts out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. This guy was an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. And this man... This Ethiopian eunuch, this royal dude, had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. What a coincidence, huh? And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Verse 30, then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading the, the Isaiah the prophet. <laughs> <laughs> Do you understand what you're reading? He asked the guy. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. And kindly enough, he invites Philip up into the chariot to sit with him. 
And this is the, the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading, verse 32. And this, what he's reading here is from the scroll of Isaiah. And Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, was written how, how long before? That's, thank you. Thank you. About 700 years before. The scroll of Isaiah pro prophesying, foretelling the death of Jesus. And this is what he reads. Written by Isaiah 700 years before. Speaking of the Messiah, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who could speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, he's reading this. This is, it just happens to me what he's reading. And he turns to Philip who's sitting there and he says, tell me please, is the prophet talking, speaking of Isaiah, is, the, is Isaiah talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? What a great question. So Philip, beginning with that very passage of scripture, told him the good news of Jesus. Verse 36, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, hey, look, here's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way. He's happy. He's rejoicing. He just had a life change. He just experienced a connection with, with the creator of the universe because he believed in Jesus. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preached the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Okay. First thing I asked you guys to write down and say is God has an appointment for me. Second thing is that I will obey the word of the Lord even if it doesn't make sense. Here's the third thing that I want you guys to write down. God's timing in my life is perfect. Okay, I want you guys to think about this. I want you to think about God's perfect timing. Where was Philip when God told him to go down to this road? Where was he? In the middle of the arrival, and where was that at? Samaria, thank you. Some of you guys are listening. Okay, and where was the, where was the unit coming from? He was from Ethiopia, but where had he been? Jerusalem. He's heading from Jerusalem to, well, he's heading back to Ethiopia. Long trip. But he got his scroll now. And he's headed back, and he's got a lot of reading to do. But he's headed back to Ethiopia. And so I want you guys to see this. Think about the chances of these two people meeting at the right place at the right time. Okay? So first of all, go ahead and put that, that Google map up here. I mapped out approximately where they met and how long it took Philip to walk from Samaria to that place and how, it talk, how long it took the Ethiopian dude to walk there. So this is Samaria up here, modern-day Deblis, and they meet somewhere down here. So that's a 23-hour, 50-minute walk. He didn't do it in one day. He didn't do it nonstop. I mean, how, how many of you guys have walked for days at a time? Anybody? Days at a time? How long? 
Just a weekend. How far can you how far can you guys walk in a day? Hike in a day? Two feet. I know you can go farther than that, Bethany. How far can you guys walk in a day? I mean, what's 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 that? Three hours. Three hours, Max. Oh man, I've walked for way longer than three hours. Yeah. Okay. Tony's walk from here to Dallas is seven and a half hours. You have good job, man. You should have called me. I would have given you a ride. Okay. Okay, so 23 hours, you do this in about three, two, three days, okay? So I just want you to think about it. It takes, takes Philip two, three days to, to walk this way. He's got to stop for meals, stop at McDonald's, get a Big Mac. He's got to stop and get, a, get, get stop at Travel Lodge and sleep a time or two. Okay, and where is, where is the Ethiopian unit coming from? He's coming from Jerusalem, right? So map that on Google Maps from Jerusalem down here. Takes, go to, go to that next map takes about 12 hours, okay, to walk. Well, he's in a chariot, but okay, so, okay. Okay, so you do the math. How much faster does a chariot go than a, than a guy walking? Three hours by bicycle. Man, three hours on a paved road on a bicycle um, is, chariot's not going that fast. Okay. Okay, whatever the case is, I just want you to think about the wisdom of God in using the decisions that the Ethiopian eunuch made and Philip made because God speaks to Philip and says, hey, go down there to the desert road before the guy leaves Jerusalem, right? Now, if you guys were planning all this out, you'd have to really strategize how to get Philip to leave up there at Nebulus or so. So that he leaves in time for this for the Ethiopian eunuch to leave. You guys think about how hard that would be to strategize. Here's what I want to suggest to you guys: as Philip's leaving Samaria to head down to that south road, he's got to take some time to get his provisions together. He's got to get some lunch. He's got to pack his bags, and his timing is perfect. He makes decision after decision after decision about where to stop for lunch, where to sleep for the night, where. And how long to hang out in the shade before he gets back in the sun and starts walking again. And yet, through all those decisions that Philip makes, he ends up at the exact right place at the exact right time where the eunuch has ended up at the exact right place at the exact right time. And their, and their paths intersect perfectly. God using Philip's decisions to get him there at the right time. Here, here's what I want to suggest to you guys is as you guys are worried about what the, the next, what the next years hold in your life and how to get from where you are to where you're supposed to be, God is going to use the decisions that you freely make, and you're going to find out that he's guiding your life, and if you trust him, you're going to end up at the right place at the right time. That's good news. That's good news, and it's guaranteed to work if you trust him. What's the verse that tells us about that? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you trust in the Lord with all your heart. You don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, you acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight, and you'll end up where you're supposed to be. It's good news. That means Philip didn't have to worry. Philip didn't have to be like, what if I'm 15 minutes late? Hurry, hurry, hurry. Or what if I'm hurrying too much, and I get there before, and I miss the guy? He ends up at the place where he's supposed to be at the right time. So here's what I want you guys to say. God's timing 
for my life is perfect. Do you guys believe it? If you believe it, it erases the worry about your future. Okay. Fourth thing I want you guys to write down. Would you write this down? I will seize the opportunity. Just write that down. Not only does, here's what I want you guys to get. To get. Not only does Philip obey God, leaving his ministry that's flourishing and walking two or three days, but when he gets there, he carries out what God called him to do. He does what he went there for. And I just want you to think about this. On his way, does he see people? Yeah. He sees people. Some of them are walking the same way that he's going. Some of them are walking the opposite way. Some of them are kicked back on the road waiting for the friend who got stuck back there. And there's, there's, a, there's a road. And he's, talk, he's talking to people on the way. But notice that we don't get any of those stories. We don't know these stories because as he's going down there, He's not worried about them. He passes them because he is on a mission for one guy. He doesn't know it. He doesn't, I don't, we're not told that he even knows what he's going there for, right? He's just obeying God. And when he gets down there, and he's, he's seen person after person after person, and there he sees this royal dude in the chariot, and now the Spirit speaks to him. Now he understands why he's there. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, verse 29, says to Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Just go walk. Got to walk a little fast because the chariot's going a little faster than you normally walk. But go stand near that chariot. And he obeys. As awkward as it is. It's like, hey, man. <laughs> as awkward as it, as it is, he runs up alongside the royal dude and he starts a conversation. Okay, here's what I want you guys to get here. He follows through. He didn't just come there and stand back and think, oh, that's awkward. I just, I'll just pray for the guy from afar. He didn't just give the guy a popsicle. He didn't just give the guy an invitation to come and get a latte at the cornerstone. I mean, he, he approaches the guy, and notice what he does. He doesn't just start talking to the guy, like, hey, man, you need to know Jesus. Or if you died tonight, do you know where you'd go to heaven or hell? Instead, he engages the guy at a level where the guy's at. Because he's excellent at evangelism. This is a great way for us to think about evangelism. As you think about sharing the gospel with people, you know why Philip was so good about it? Because he knew the right questions to ask for people who were at, the, at that level. He was able to get to this guy's level. He didn't offer to explain until the guy asked. And I just want you to think that his, that his, his, Philip is going there. His mission is for this guy, and he follows through. Here's a lesson for us. So many times we obey God at first. We're praying, God, I need, give me that job. Give me that job, because if you give me that job at Starbucks, think of all the good I can do for you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to witness for you, and people are going to know you because of me, and then we get the job at Starbucks, and we forget that that's why God put us there. You guys know what I'm talking about? Or the people, how many times have we taken people to Japan and they went to Japan because they understood that God's calling on their lives was for Japan. And then we get to Japan and all of a sudden they forgot to share Jesus with the people there. It's easy to do. It's so easy to do. It's like, God, would you, I'll answer your call. But then when you get to the point of actually talking to somebody, we miss the opportunity. What I want you guys to see is that Philip seizes the opportunity. So here's what I want you guys to 
Say, I will seize the opportunity. Would you guys say that? Okay, there's something else that I want you guys to get out of this story that isn't recorded right here. It's not recorded here because it hadn't happened yet. But it is part of history. So what happens to the royal dude in the chariot? Say it again. To the royal dude, the royal, the, the Ethiopian eunuch. What happens to the guy? He gets baptized he goes on his way rejoicing, and that's all we hear about him from the Bible. But what happens? Exactly. He goes back home. He's, he's, he's an assistant to the queen. And what do you think he does? He starts doing what all the Christians are doing. He starts talking about Jesus. And people become believers and other people become believers, and other people become believers until three, by 330 A.D., the king of Ethiopia declares Ethiopia a Christian nation. And the result is Sam's a Christian. And, and, and now, do you guys know how many Christians are in Ethiopia right now? 82% of the people in Ethiopia claim to be Christians. Whether they all are or not, and obviously there's, there's all kinds of, of people who even in America claim to be religion, or be, claim to be Christians, but are, just, uh, but are just going through the motions of religion. But God had a plan. Here's what I want you guys to get, is God used this one encounter to change a nation. Here's what I want you guys to say. Would you guys say, God can use me to change a nation? Would you guys say that? Okay, I want to tell you guys a, a, a modern story of God using a person to change a nation. So I want, can you put that picture of Jewel and Pat Richter up here on the screen? Okay. Well, that's, there you go. Okay. This is back in 1973. This is a guy named Joe and his wife, Pat Richter. And they're something like in their late 20s or so, and they're working with the Peace Corps. You guys know what the Peace Corps is, right? Have you heard of that? They're working with the Peace Corps on the other side of the world, and they don't, they don't know about Jesus, and I don't think they really care about Jesus. But they got good things in their heart, and they're doing good things. And so after working with the Peace Corps on the other side of the world for several years, they are on their way back to the United States of America, back home to figure out what they're going to do with the rest of their lives. And they're sitting in an international airport on the other side of the world. And as they're sitting there waiting to get on the plane, another American couple with some kids come along and plop down beside them. And Joe whispers to his wife, they look like missionaries, so don't talk to them. So, of course, the missionary man, he starts talking to them. And... Uh, they talk a little bit, and they talk, end up talking about linguistics and stuff, and then the announcement co comes for them to get on the plane. So they get on the plane and figure that's it. Two months later, Joe and Pat Richter right there are sitting in a restaurant in Minnesota, Duluth, Minnesota, eating their meal, and they look up, and here from across the restaurant comes this missionary man. And this time, they didn't try to ignore him. They're like, I can't believe you're here. 
And the missionary man is like, I can't believe you're here. Give me your number. So they changed numbers. And that week, they get together for dinner. The missionary man and his wife, Joe and Pat Richter. And that night, Joe and Pat Richter give their lives, surrender their lives to Jesus. Is that cool or what? But that's not the end of the story. Because what Joe and Pat Richter go on to do is to start a mission called Farms International. And I want you to see their website. Can you put their website up here? Okay, here's their website. Uh, Farms International um, is working. Go ahead and scroll down. They work in Cuba, Bangladesh, Haiti, Moldova, India, Philippines, Thailand, Ecuador, and on and on. Talk about world-changing ministry, right? Because of an encounter that they had in an international airport on the other side of the world, and then God leading that missionary dude to them at the same restaurant a few months later. Is that an act of God? Okay, here's, here's the story, how, how it's related to me. I, my family was the missionary family. I remember that day, sitting in the airport, in the Manila airport, and talk, my dad talking to, these, to this couple. And my dad and mom led them to the Lord. And I want you guys to think about this. Once again, I want you guys to think about how God arranged that divine appointment. God arranged that divine appointment. My dad obeyed the word of the Lord to speak to, speak to them, even though, of course, he wasn't, even, he wasn't actively listening to the Lord. He was just being friendly. But when he saw him at the restaurant, he knew that was the voice of the Lord. He knew the Lord was doing something. Second divine appointment, God speaks to my dad. My dad obeys. Think about how God's timing is perfect. Think about how God can use one encounter, or in this case, two encounters, to bring about world change. Is that amazing or what? God's doing things in your life all the time that are like this. God's called you to be the answer to what he wants to do in the lives of people who are longing for him. I want you guys to think about international students here at UTA, the equivalent of this Ethiopian guy that's in Jerusalem. Ethiopian guy in Jerusalem, he's a foreigner, he's headed back home, and he changes the nation, and Sam is the product of that. Think about it. We've had so many international students here who are the, who are the equivalent of the guy that, we just, that we've been reading about. I've talked with international students here who are part of royal families back in their home country. I've talked with international students here who plan to be the presidents of their home country. Two guys that I know who plan to be the president of their home countries. I've talked to people here who have been in the Congress, part of the Congress of their home country. I've talked to people here who have gigantic business plans for their home country. And I've thought, what, what if they were like this with one encounter with the Spirit of God that they could represent Jesus back in their home country? There's also a guy who I didn't meet, I did not meet, who was here at UTA, who I wish I would have met because he was a part of the, he was a, a, a significant part of the planning for the 9-11 attacks, the terrorist attacks. And I thought, who? Who missed showing Jesus love 
to him. I wish I could have. It was actually before I was here. But because the, 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 the opportunity that we have and the divine appointments that we have matter. So right, right now as we're getting ready to close, I just want to ask you to think about who is the person that God has set up to meet you. He brought that person across your path or into your workplace or sitting next to you in class for that person to know him through you. So just, I okay, guess, let's just stand up. We're going we're gonna to close in prayer here. But I want to ask you guys to just think about who that person is. And then we're going to pray for that person. So I want to invite you guys to think about that God is at work in ways that we don't see. When we're just oblivious so many times to who the person is sitting next to us in the airport or on the airplane. And God has a plan for you to reach them. And so, Father, I'm just asking for, for the people that, that I've just asked my friends here to, to put in their minds. The people, the, someone in their classroom or someone in their dorm or someone who they work with who needs you. And Lord, would you just show us what we're supposed to do next? Lord, if you just show us the way, we'll, we'll do it. And we don't have everything figured out. But we as a community, we swear our allegiance to you. And we don't consider our lives worth anything. If only we can finish this race and complete the task that you've given us, Lord, of testifying to the gospel of your grace. And so, Lord, would you help us, all of us, all the people in this room. Lord, we just know that you want to do greater things through us. I know you want to do greater things through me in spite of myself. And so would you show us the way? And would you open the hearts of people as we speak to them? And that your kingdom would come, your fire would burn across this campus in a way that would change the world. And that the world would be affected by, because of UTA. And that UTA would be affected because of the people at the Cornerstone. Lord, we love you. Would you just teach us to love you more? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, we're dismissed a little bit early. We've got prayer upstairs. If you guys 